With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cryptid monsters seem to have captivated the world and everybody seems to want to see one. Well, that is until they do. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true cryptid encounter horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true cryptid encounter horror stories. I am a 24-year-old male living in the Philippines. The story I wanted to share with you is not exactly my own, but was told to me by my father some years ago. The events transpired when I was only about a year old. Back then, my family lived in a rural area where everyone knew everyone. We also had a ton of relatives nearby, living in the same group of neighborhoods. One day, my dad was outside in the backyard watering plants. He was minding his own business when he suddenly noticed an unusually large black bird perched in an old tree. The branches of that tree hung low, so my dad got a much better look at the bird than I'm sure he wanted to. He did not think anything of it at first, but he soon noticed that the bird's eyes were a deep red, not glowing or anything like that, but more like they were severely bloodshot. He said the bird just sat there, staring at him, returning my father's ponderous gaze just as intently as he watched it. My dad was unsettled, but soon got back to his work. He got done watering and went inside. A few hours later, sometime during the night, Dad went back outside to do some more chores in the yard. Now the way our houses were set up, there was a sort of alleyway with a fence that separated our house from the one next door. My dad was finishing up when he caught a glimpse of something small scurrying across the alleyway, making a splash in a puddle of water. Since he had a pet turtle at the time, a red-eared slider, my dad thought maybe the turtle got out of his tank and somehow was trying to run off. He walked over to the dark alley, and upon closer inspection, he found the culprit. Oddly, what he found there was a large crab of some kind. It was not a common sight in my area. The crab was the size of a dinner plate. The strangest part was that in the low light coming from the back of our house, my dad could see the crab's eyes. They were that same deep blood-red color of the blackbird he had seen earlier. The crab stopped in its tracks and stared him down. That same, intense glare from his encounter with the large bird. He quickly dropped what he was doing and went back inside the house, admittedly creeped out by yet another bizarre animal sighting. The next day, my dad went to speak to the neighborhood elders about what he had seen. They told him it was an Aswang. So, if you did not know, Stories of Aswang are all over the Philippines, especially out in the rural areas. Up to 80% of the people here actually believe in this. 
They are basically the Philippines equivalent to vampires of Western folklore in terms of mythology. They are said to be shapeshifters, who have a taste for human and animal entrails. But their most sought-after delicacy is the flesh of an unborn child. The legends have it that the Aswang would crawl around on rooftops at night, searching for pregnant women. When it found one, it would settle above the expectant mother as she slept, winding its freakishly long, prehensile tongue into her room by some opening in her roof and sucked the baby from her very womb. As it happened, my mother was pregnant with my little sister. One of the elders claimed he knew the Aswang had paid a visit to our house. I do not know how he would know this information, but he insisted that this Aswang was not trying to eat my sister. Rather, he said, it simply liked being around pregnant women because it finds their aroma to be somehow intoxicating. My dad said, although it was still creepy, he was a bit relieved that he was not dealing with a creature that wanted to harm his family. My sister was born without any problems, and we never heard from that creature again as far as I know. This is not an awfully long story at all, and I cannot stress enough that I have not been the same since. No exaggeration, just a disclaimer. I am not that big on cryptids, and did not really believe in them until one night. My brother and I were in the SUV cruising through a rural area of Wisconsin, and headed back to our dad's house. We turned off a country highway to a back road near a bar I used to work at. Excited to smoke the weed we had just bought, we were not really concerned with much else besides getting home, smoking, and listening to our hillbilly music. We came to a point in the road where there are three forks, and as cliche as it sounds, it came from nowhere. In an instant, I stomped on the brakes. About 40 feet northeast of us, over a chopped cornfield, was a ball of light the size of an average house, seated above a rectangular light the size of a semi in a trailer. We sat still, the vehicle still running. We both stared at it for what felt like forever. I was frozen, and my brother eventually spoke up and yelled to go. I just could not move. I have never ever been so frozen in my life. A couple of seconds, maybe even a minute or so goes by, I have no idea, and eventually I'm hearing, go, go, leave, let's go. Still, I was stiff. In a much more calm but obviously unsettled voice through tears, he said, Cody, hit the gas, please, we have to leave. The light seemed to get brighter simultaneously with the request. All I remember was crying and silently hitting the gas. My eyes turned to the road and I floored it. We made the approximately 40-yard dash around the left in the road, and in the same instant we started going straight. The light was over top of us, and I swear I could see what looked like humanoid figures all around us. My brother started crying hysterically. As soon as it was there, it flashed off to our left, seemingly shrunk and disappeared. All the figures also disappeared. We both cried silently on the way home. I did not believe in cryptids or aliens or whatever until this instance. I would absolutely love to hear if anyone has had any similar experiences. I really wanted to share this because I was a hardcore skeptic until this night. If you share this, thank you a million times and keep up the show. I really enjoy it. I have an even shorter story if it interests you at all. Good evening, Swamp Dweller. I am an Inuk man from northern Canada, and I wanted to tell you about the time in my younger days when I believe our hunting party faced off with an Ezerak, an evil being that takes the shape of a caribou. I am an old man now, and this story takes place many years ago in what is now the territory of Nunavut. 
Canada. In those days, many of us Inuit still lived in the traditional ways of hunting, fishing, and living from what the land gave us before we were forced into communities by the Canadian government and RCMP. In winter, we travel far from our homes to hunt the seals and great caribou herds from which we took our meat and furs. This story takes place during one of these trips that are now long gone. Myself, my brother, an elder, and another man set out from our houses to track the caribou herds. Snowmobiles were only new back then, and only one man had one. The rest of us traveled by dog sled. We had enough supplies for two weeks loaded on our sleds, as well as several hunting spears and three World War II era rifles. This was in the late 1960s, so they were plentiful in those times. After a three-day long trip, we managed to track the herd and made our snow houses for the night. As the sun came up the next morning, we set up our rifles on a ridge overlooking the herd, and not long after, my brother spied a beautiful fat male among the others. We quickly drew a bead on several other caribou and opened fired. Within a few minutes, there were seven dead animals waiting for us on the snow. We made quick work skinning and gutting the first six, but immediately upon looking at the seventh, we knew something was not quite right. Its fur was ragged. Its eyes were not normal. They looked like that of a man, not a caribou. As my brother stuck his knife into the animal, its eyes jerked to the side and stared directly at him. We jumped back but quickly passed it off as a death reflex. But when the animal was opened, we were met with horror. Its meat was black and festering. The smell was so bad we were nearly made sick. The elder knew immediately that something was terribly wrong, and the decision was made to douse the carcass in gas and burn it. As we rode away with our kills, we began to get a very uneasy feeling, so we stopped for a minute and let the dogs rest. As we looked back, we noticed something moving on the far hill, and we were shocked when we looked back at it with binoculars. The caribou we thought was burned was slowly trotting behind us. The bullet wound was now a dark brown stain, and those human-like eyes were staring right through the glass at us. We immediately hitched the dogs and rode as fast as we could. We traveled several miles the opposite direction over the sea ice to hide our trail and keep it from finding our camp. As darkness came, we finally lost the creature in the snow. All that night, two of us stayed awake with guns at the ready. We cut our trip short and fled back to town at first light. The elders blessed us and our meat to ward off any bad magic the Ejirak may have brought on us. This spirit takes on the shape of a caribou and is said to kill hunters and kidnap children. There have been many, many other memorable hunting trips in my long life but this one stands out to me the clearest. Growing up, I spent time living in a house in Mapleton, Utah. It was pretty haunted in my opinion, but I also think there were some unknown creatures running around as well. A lot of activity occurred in that house on a constant basis. Things like hearing all the dishes breaking and the cupboard slamming shut, yet, if you went into the kitchen, everything was seemingly intact. I believe the best stories, though, would come from my older brother, Kevin. One of those stories would begin with him sleeping downstairs. Suddenly, he would be awoken, but he felt paralyzed. Before his eyes was a white creature unlike anything he had ever seen before. Its hands were nailed down to the ceiling, along with its feet also being nailed. The creature looked kind of like a naked human being, but very, very wrong and very, very contorted. All the limbs looked elongated, too long for humans, and nearly all looked dislocated. The spine protruded from its back, 
The skin was pale, but nearly like leather. The creature began to turn its head toward him. It turned its head completely backward to look at him. There were no facial features at all. Suddenly, its jaw began to move, and it looked as though the mouth had been shred open to allow the jaw to even move. But the jaw began to look as though it was dislocated as it eased its head and opened its jaw toward him, as though it was trying to consume him. He quickly rolled off the bed and ran to the door, taking one look back before taking off. It began to twist its neck further to look at him and watch where he was going. He ran off upstairs to tell our mother. He did not see it again that night. But the second time he saw it, it was sitting in his closet in a fetal position, simply watching. He never slept in that room again. The strangest part about the story is, when I was sleeping in the living room next to it, I had a dream about some weird people in my bed who have died. They were warning me that bodies had been buried within the walls and we needed to leave the house. I always think about this when I remember this house because I encountered this creature myself before I knew he did. I thought that maybe it was just a hallucination or maybe some sort of ghost, but now I'm starting to think it was an eerie creature that was living in our house somewhere, or maybe it was some sort of interdimensional being. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. I'd prefer to keep my name private as I do not wish to be identified in fear of being ridiculed. My story is just a compilation of small things happening that lead up to a possible creature sighting. It will give you some background so that you can get a better idea of my situation. I am a 19 year old girl and I live in Indiana with my grandparents and brother. We are all nature lovers and my grandfather is a zoologist. I take after him and we enjoy identifying bird calls while out on hikes or sitting in the backyard. Now. We don't quite live in the middle of nowhere, but we are not exactly in the big city either. We live in one of two subdivisions, the second one behind us. For the most part, we are surrounded by cornfields and little patches of forest between them. There is enough forest to support small herds of deer, raccoons, possum, skunk, owls, and coyotes. Behind our house is a pond that is about 160 feet long and probably 50 feet across. Behind the pond is a row of spruce trees which separates our subdivision from the other. Now. The people who own the pond keep it stocked with fish, bluegill, smallmouth bass, largemouth bass, and a couple of catfish. My window is one of the ones facing the pond. Now that you know all that, the real story can start. It was early in the morning, sometime around 4am, and for some reason my dog woke me up. He wanted to be let out of my room. Confused but not going to argue with him, I let him out and he goes to the bed with my grandparents. I shut my door and lay back down to go to sleep when suddenly I hear a noise. It sounded almost like a morning dove, but it was still pitch black outside. Doves should not be awake at this time. As I slowly looked out the window, the noise seemingly stopped. This continued for a good 45 minutes or so. Every time I sat up to look out the window, the noise stopped again. This happened every night for a few days. Each time the noise would startle my dog, 
and he would wake me up so he could leave. Soon after the noise started, we found a decapitated baby bunny on our doormat. Then two days later, there was another dead one. They had no bites or scratches on them. They were just missing their heads. For a whole week, everything seemed to have stopped. We found a dead fish. A 14, maybe even 15-inch catfish that had been pulled up onto shore. Just like with the two bunnies, two weeks later, another one was found in the same condition. Untouched except for a missing head. Once again, everything was normal. And once again, it did not last. I was sitting on the back porch watching some ducks on the palm when suddenly, one was pulled under the water. It was not a dive. It went straight down like a rock. The other ducks flew off in a panic. The duck resurfaced and flew off to join the others. Another time, the duck was not so lucky. It got pulled under and never came back up. Even though I sat there waiting for an hour, staring at the pond, nothing ever happened. As the weeks continued, the fish and frog population shrank more and more and the ducks no longer visited our pond. One night in mid-July, I was up late doing some reading to help calm my mind when suddenly I hear an unfamiliar sound. Now keep in mind, my grandpa is a zoologist, so I have learned what different animals sound like. This was undoubtedly the same sound I heard earlier in the year, but it was louder and much clearer. If you have ever heard a morning dove, you know what its song pattern is like. What I was hearing almost matched this pattern exactly, but it sounded more like if you mashed together a dog bark and a leopard frog croak. I apologize for the bad description, but that is the best way to describe it. I am almost positive it was trying to mimic a dove. The call was scratchy, and it sounded like it was stuck on repeat. Since then, whenever I am home alone, I hear that call. But just before anyone gets home, the sound stops. I told my grandparents and brother, but they have never, ever heard it. And subsequently, they do not believe me. They just say that I'm paranoid from listening to the stories on your channel. But I don't think that's the case. I've been trying to convince my girlfriend to tell people about this for a while now, but she keeps putting it off. I asked her if I could just share the story on this show. As it's her story, I find it fascinating considering I'm obsessed with cryptids and stuff. She said I could, so here goes. So for some time, I was studying at a university in England. While there, I met my girlfriend who lived local to the city. I would go back home in Wales for the first two years of uni during Christmas, Easter, and summer breaks. The summer was usually a big long break, and I would use it for work at my part-time job to earn money to spend on nights out for my following year of uni. I don't drive, and at the time, I was not getting along with her family, so I did not like going to hers. So every other weekend I had off work, my girlfriend would drive down to Wales and spend some time over the weekend with me. So, during the summer between my first and second year, she had to leave early. She ended up taking a different route home as I had a night shift coming up. She agreed to drive me to my night shift to save me getting the bus, despite it taking her out of her way, and meaning she had to take a different route home. After dropping me off, she was driving along. Anyone who knows Wales knows that it's predominantly rural, country roads with the odd town or village scattered about. She saw a creature run across the road. She slammed on her brakes, at first thinking it was a dog or a cat, but she said looking at it, it did not look like either. She said it was huge, like the size of a full-grown Great Dane, and it had no fur. She described it as having large paws, bigger than that of any wildlife in the area. It also 
had no fur, like I said. She said it moved in a way that she said seemed unusual and unnatural, like its limbs were bent but not straightening out while it ran. Although, this could have been a trick of the light, as it was very dark. The area this was in was near the village of Trelawned, on one of the country roads just off from the garage. I've asked her to describe the creature, she's drawn it a few times, but basically describes it as looking like an enormous hairless fossa. She's a zoologist too so I expect her to recognize wild animals, especially since all we really have are red foxes, badgers, and a few loose ferrets that have escaped from farms. She's driven that route so many times since then, both with and without me, and I've tried to spot it, but with no avail. I even got her a dash cam, and she must have driven that route repeatedly over and over again, but we've not had any luck. While the whole thing seems unlikely, and that maybe it was a trick of the light or something like that, I believe her, partly due to her stubborn conviction that there was no trick of the light, and what she saw was legit. She seems to cling on to this with such conviction that I find it hard to doubt. I didn't see it myself. I only know what I was told, but I thought it would be an interesting story regardless. This was a few years ago, and I have not done much of any research on it until very, very recently. My family and I had gone up to my grandparents' house. They have about 10 acres of land and only used about one to one and a half acres for the house and yard. They had a large, dense pine forest all around the area of their house, except for the road that led into their house. They had cut down some trees to make four-wheeler paths that we could ride on when we went up there. One day, my sister and I were riding out on the paths on some of my grandparents' four-wheelers. For whatever reason, it slips my mind, but I think it was to get a drink, but I do not entirely remember, my sister went inside. I thought nothing of it and kept riding the four-wheeler I was on. Well, probably about three minutes or so later, I was driving past a dense patch of the forest. Over the four-wheeler engine, I heard a loud growl. I heard it clearly to my left in the patch of forest. Thinking it was just a coyote, I looked over towards where the growl had come from. I didn't see any coyote. You know that feeling you get when you investigate a forest at night and you get scared something will stare back at you? Well, this happened to me in the middle of the day. What I was looking at still haunts me to this day. I was staring into two large yellow eyes. It appeared that they were sunken into the creature's face. The eyes were probably about two times the size of a normal human eye, and they were watching me intently. I could see by looking at the thing's eyes alone that this was not any normal creature, and it was smart. I did not get to see what it was entirely because it was standing in a bush. The bush was exceptionally large, like probably 10 feet tall or so, about eight feet up in this bush is where I saw these eyes poking out, staring at me. I could not see any other part of this creature, but I did not stick around to find out what it was. I put the four-wheeler into drive and sped up to about 55 or 60 miles per hour. I ran inside and did not go back out on the pass for the rest of the trip. No one else in my family saw anything, but I was terrified of whatever it was. Fast forward six years. I was talking with my friend about spooky things we had seen. I told him about this story and began to wonder what I could possibly have seen. I did a lot of research on what large predatory animals live up there. It is northern Idaho if you do not believe me and want to go check. After a little bit of digging, I found that no animals were about 8 feet tall. I did not believe it because I was skeptical of anything that was paranormal. I checked again and again, and because I could not find anything, and I did not want to believe that it was something that had never been captured before or proven to exist, I just tried to push it out of my mind. The largest wolf ever found has only been about six feet tall when standing on its hind legs. 
the largest bear might have been large enough, but it could not fit in that bush. So I began to research any possible creature that it could have been. Eventually, I found one, a Wendigo. It was the only possible creature I could have seen. I do not know why it did not attack me or why it let me get away. Based off the features I saw, the large yellow sunken eyes, it could have only been a Wendigo. What scared me even more is that a couple of years later, my grandparents moved out of that house for an unknown reason. They say it was to get closer to the family, but the family was actually excited about making that long drive and coming up very often. They moved a little bit closer. It's still a long drive, but I haven't seen that monster ever since. This incident was the most terrifying experience of my life. This happened in the fall of 1982 in Baxter State Park, Maine. I live in Manchester, New Hampshire at the time and desperately wanted to get one last camping trip in before the weather changed. The region would become buried in snow and tourists from out of state for the skiing season would come in. It was early November and it was still warm during the day and nice and chilly at night, perfect for sitting around the fire and relaxing. I loved the outdoors, I still do, but the events of that night in Maine would leave a mark on me for the rest of my life. My wife worked all weekend at the hospital downtown, and both the kids are at grandma and grandpa's for the weekend. I called in sick for work, loaded up my Bronco, strapped the canoe on the roof, and hit the interstate. I was on the water late in the afternoon. I loved the area because of how remote it was. I was just a few miles from my launch site, where the truck was parked when I spotted a perfect place to camp. I paddled toward the shore. This is a great spot, I thought to myself. I set up my little tent, built a fire, and unfolded my pack chair to relax. The day turned into night, and I crashed out in the tent. The following day, I awoke to the sounds of birds chirping. It was a little cooler, but still great weather. I took my camera out, and I went into the forest to take some photos. I did some fishing and just enjoyed the peaceful stillness of this remote wilderness. The day was uneventful, and soon after dinner, I lay in my tent with my flashlight reading. I must have dozed off because I awoke startled by something moving outside of my tent. I lay still, but my instinct told me that there was something outside. I could hear the carefully placed steps of something. There are moose and black bear up here. Moose can be extremely dangerous if you walk upon them by surprise. The bears generally smell you before you see them and keep away. I lay still and listened. Whatever it was had stopped at the entrance flap of the tent. As my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I could make out a faint, shadowy shape. I was wide awake now and on full alert. Whatever it was, I could hear it sniffling around and panting out of breath. I slowly began to unzip the tent when it ran off. I unzipped the flap of my tent and looked out just in time to see the branches swaying and hear something heavy moving through the brush and into the deep woods. The sound of its footfalls told me one important thing. It was on two legs. That could not be right. I had not seen any other people since entering the park and leaving my truck at the trailhead. The tourist season for leaf peepers had passed, and even so, someone could only reach this location by the waterway. I suppose someone could be out here, someone I had not seen or heard until they came sniffing and snorting around my campsite in the middle of the night. I guess it was possible. As the sun rose, I ate my breakfast but remained on guard. I could not shake the feeling of being watched. I felt the presence in the forest, someone or something just out of sight. I kept a 45 revolver on me when I camped out here in the North Woods. Was not so much concerned about the wildlife, so much as the weirdos you might run across, the meth heads, the backcountry types. In my experience, the scariest thing you can come across when you are alone in the deep woods is another human being. 
I could not be sure if someone were out there, but the paranoia began to take hold. It was dark now, and I was inside my tent. I kept the revolver close and my boots on. I was done playing games. I sure did not plan on shooting anyone, but I was sure to show them I was not an easy target. I sat up quickly. I must have fallen asleep because I was startled awake by movement all around the tent. The shadows everywhere, on all sides and all directions. I could hear sniffing and snorting, low grunting and raspy breathing. What the hell is happening? I thought in a panic. It did not sound like people, but the height of the shadows cast against the flaps of the tent in the moonlight revealed prominent, upright figures. There must have been five or maybe even six on all sides. Fear gripped me as the realization came over me. I was surrounded. Suddenly, low growling started all around me. It was answered back on the other side, and all around me were low, deliberate growls. Were these coyotes? Were the massive shadows just a light playing tricks on me? The growling increased in pitch and intensified, and I knew an attack was imminent. I pulled my revolver out and fired straight up into the air. The next moments were a complete blur. I charged through the tent with just the clothes on my back and my 45, and the truck keys in my pocket. I bolted straight for the canoe and muscled it into the water. I jumped in and began paddling. I never looked back until I got far enough from the shore. I should have never looked back. There they were, standing completely still on the riverbank. Their bodies crouched down, with heads low, eyes reflecting in the moonlight. They looked like giant coyotes or maybe even wolves. Six in total. I was transfixed by what I was seeing. I had never seen a coyote this large, this massive. As I sat in the safety of my little canoe studying these creatures, they did something I'll never forget. They began to stand up on their hind legs. Each one would slowly raise on two legs. I could not believe what I was seeing. They all stood like men. These things, these, these creatures, had almost ambushed me as their prey. I turned and furiously paddled as howling rang out behind me. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true cryptid encounter horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this video gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a 5 star rating as that helps me out a ton over there. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, please be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them almost every single day and all things natural and supernatural. I would love to know in the comments down below what your favorite story was tonight. These were some interesting and definitely diverse creature sightings tonight. Are you on the go, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories wherever you are? Well, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. And the best part is, is it's absolutely free. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and giving this a 5-star rating on iTunes, maybe check out the merch store. I've got face masks t-shirts, hoodies, and much more. I'd love to see you guys rocking some cool swamp threads. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting the swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you guys. I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.